Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. Well, so excited about um, who God sent to speak to you tonight. And I just want to encourage you that so often our posture in the way we approach God's word determines what it does in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you that you have an active role in what happens tonight. It's not just like as a listener, we're passive and the speaker's active, but this can be a conversation tonight. And I just want to encourage you that your posture to lean in, be hungry, grab a notepad, a pen, write it on anything, your pant leg, your neighbor's arm, what I mean, whatever, whatever. Just take some notes, lean in to the Word of God. And for our first fresh voice tonight, would you help me welcome Susanna Clapcock? Come on up, Susanna. Come on, Susanna leads. Yeah, come on. So Susanna leads our outreach uh, team. If you're a part of Ramp Church Outreach, just give me a quick woo. All right, all right. If you're online, get, just drop an emoji right there in the chat. And uh, incredible things. And all through lockdown, continuing to take teams into city center and love on our city, bringing a message of hope and prayer and miracles and incredible things. But I just can't wait to hear what God has put on your heart tonight, Susanna. So, Thank you, Pastor Joe. Hi, church. How are we doing? Hi. How are we doing? Good, good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share something that the Lord laid on my heart recently. A couple of Sundays ago, I was having my morning time with God, and I was just crying out, God, I need to have more. I know that there is more than this. I know that there is more of you to access. We need the more, God, because by ourselves, we can't do it. The need is too great. We need the glory of God to move in a way that we've never seen before. And I was crying out to God with everything within me because it's the truth. I'm so desperate to see the more of God. I'm so desperate to see God move in the church on the streets of Manchester, to see him move in this nation and in the earth because he needs a reward that he is worthy of. And as I cried out to God, I heard his voice so clearly say to me, there is a glory in this latter house that is greater than the former. So today I want to share on what I believe God is saying about rebuilding. I believe that we are in a season of rebuilding as in the book of Haggai, and that in our rebuilding, we will see the glory of God. We will see him move. You see, in the book of Haggai, I don't know if you know the story, but it is partway through the story, which actually starts in Ezra, of the first phase of Israel returning. And Zerubbabel has been appointed as governor over Judea. Judea? Judah? Um, and then the high priest Joshua has been appointed as a high priest. 
And they have been directed by God to rebuild the temple under the order of King uh, Cyrus. So they start rebuilding a foundation. But the enemies around them that have occupied their land say, Zerubbabel, let us build with you. Because since you've been in exile, since you've been away in captivity in Babylon, we've been serving your God. Let us build with you. And God says, I'm good. Not God. Uh, Zerubbabel says, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. We can rebuild this. It's fine. We got this. And the enemies became very frustrated and angry. And so they went to the Persian rulers and they said, look, these guys are rebels. And they began to falsely accuse the people of Israel that their build would, be, would, be, would come to a close and would stop. And so the Persian rulers said, you can't build anymore. We're going to stop this now. And so Zerubbabel and Joshua follow that decree and they stop building. For 15 years, They delay the will of God to rebuild the place of his presence, to rebuild the temple of his holiness. For 15 years, they then start to rebuild their own lives. They start rebuilding their homes and their businesses, their lands, and they forget about the temple ruin in the land. But God is gracious. Say, God is gracious. He is so, so good that even in our fear and in our hopelessness, he sends a word and he sent a word through the prophet Haggai. And Haggai came to Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people of the land and said, what are you doing? You have delayed my word. You have delayed the building of this temple and you have got this all wrong. You have been busy building your world, your homes, your businesses, and you are building in vain because the presence of God, the the communion of God, the holiness of God is absent from this land. How can you build and see prosperity if God isn't in it? So basically what he was saying is, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. In vain you rise early and you stay late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. Are we building our lives in vain? Are we building things that have no eternal purpose? Are we building things where God is absent? Are we toiling and working our fingers to the bone? He says to Israel, you've been working so hard and there is nothing to show for it. You're earning money and you're putting it in purses with holes. Think about what you're doing. He literally says, consider, does this even make sense? Does it make sense? And it says the people listened with a holy reverence and they considered the word of the Lord. And three weeks after that word was given, they began to build. You see, what Haggai was saying by the spirit of God was, you need to seek first the kingdom of God. And understand that when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things that you've been building, they will come to you. And I love how the message says it. Oh, sorry, the Passion Translation. It says, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and his righteousness that proceeds from him. 
then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. He's not saying it's bad to build these things. He's not saying it's bad to have ambition. He's not saying it's bad to want to, to be successful. But he's saying, let's put this into perspective. You know you can't do that without me anyways. I know what you need more than what you need. So the hearts of the people are stirred and they're rebuilding. God says, get to work. I am with you. Get to building. And they start to rebuild this temple. But he doesn't say it's going to be easy. He doesn't say, I'm going to send angels and do it for you. See, Zechariah in the book of Zechariah has a word for Zerubbabel. When it starts to get difficult and when he starts to face the opposition of the enemies, he sends a word and says, Zerubbabel, you're not building this in your power. You're not building this in your own might. You're not building this out of your own resources, but you are building this by the power of my spirit. You are building this by the power of my word that I've already spoken into being before you were even considered. You are rebuilding this by my vision, my strength, and how I have empowered you to build. So you better get to work and you better build, knowing that there is a glory that is attached to this building. See, there is a promise attached to the place of rebuilding. There is a promise that is greater than ourselves. See, the enemy was so against this building. Why? Because it had a prophetic mandate attached to it. It had a promise attached to it that just wasn't for their generation, but it was for the generations to come. And that promise was on the cross. You see, Jesus, when he gave his last breath, the veil in the temple in the temple that they were being told to rebuild, that veil, it tore from the bottom up. You see, there was a prophetic mandate on this building because there was a symbol in this building that said that was the Messiah. That said, his promises have now come to pass. He has torn that veil when he said that he was going to reconcile man and God face to face. Now I've seen the symbol that he spoke about in the temple. What are you being told not to build by the enemy? You can't let the enemy delay your building. You can't let the enemy hold you back from building the things of the kingdom because there is a prophetic mandate on your building. God is calling us back to the place of prayer, to the things that the enemy has brought into ruin. He is calling us back to the place of worship. He is calling us back to the place of sacrifice and offering because there is a promise that is attached to it, not just for today, but the generations that are coming ahead of us. So I'm saying... By the word of God, it's time to rebuild church. It's time to get back to prayer. It's time to get back to worship. It's time to build the identity that God has truly given us and not let the accuser and his words derail or delay us. Amen. Come on, I believe there's some builders in the house. Come on, just give Susanna some love. <laughs> I believe there's some builders in the house, and that was a word for you. Any builders in the house, just let me see that hand in the air. You, you have a dream in your heart, a vision. 
Maybe you're a business owner. It doesn't just mean you're in church. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you're a maybe you're a build. Maybe you're a, an actual builder, um, a construction worker. Come on, Dom, a builder. Um, you're in good company. Jesus knew something about that. But God has a word for you today to keep keep going. Amen. What a powerful word. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you, Susanna. And our next fresh voice today. Um, is none other than Josh Guest. Come on up, my man. Welcome, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Josh helps lead Ramp Youth and um, does an incredible job with, our, uh, with the rest of our team, Cameron and the rest of our team, to, uh, to, to lead our young people into the things of God. So I just want you to give your utmost attention to Josh. Thank you so much. What an introduction. How am I going to follow that, by the way? We've had Emma, with, who managed to fit emascipation into her song, and then we had an amazing prophetic and, and culture-shaking word from Susanna. And then you've got me who comes up with a football, which is fantastic. <laughs> but I believe God spoke to me this week, and I believe God spoke to me for you, and he spoke to me in my favorite way of communicating, which is memes. Okay, I don't know if you guys know what memes are. They're funny little pictures, little funny pictures that make you laugh every now and then on Instagram. And what he said was, it was like a diary entry. He said, me in 2018, if only I could have a few weeks to sort my life out and organize it all. And then it says, me in 2021, note to self, this was not the problem. Okay, because of lockdown and everything that we've had time on our own to organize our lives, but yet we still feel tired, we still feel this bogged down weight. And why is that? How does that, how does that demonstrate in our lives? Maybe it means that we're a bit snappy with, a, with our family. Maybe it means that we can never slow down. Maybe it means that we can never get into a place with God and, and just take five minutes and, 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 and feel fresh and free. And I believe that God has something to say about that, believe it or not, that I believe that God has something to say about every part of our lives. And what he's got to say about this, I believe, lies in Matthew 11, verse 28. Reading from NLT, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of those of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Someone needs that this morning. Somebody needs that, that reassurance and that, and that blessing to say, God doesn't say, you may be feeling heavy, but just grow bigger shoulders. Just be stronger. Like That's not what he says. He says, let me take that on my shoulders that are capable of taking that weight. If God destined you to live with that weight, it would not be so hard. It would not make you tired. It would not make you bogged down. It would not make it so blurry, your whole vision and your whole life. You would not make it like that. I have a little demonstration to like maybe put it into a bit of um, perspective. Um, Finley, would you like to join me? Give Finley a round of applause. He's one of our amazing youth and a very good friend of mine. And he's going to represent everybody in the room today, okay? And so this right here, Finley, is your health life. And... What else can we find for you to grab? We're going to find this bin. This is not our bin. Please don't break it, Finley. Oh, I'm going to break it. Don't worry about that. Hold this. And okay. <laughs> so you're everybody in the room. And what he's got hold of here is his world, are his world troubles and what he's got to hold in. So it might be his health. It might be his, it might be his relational life. And what Finley's holding God's not destined him to hold, of course. And I'm Jesus, okay? No rebuking, please. I know I'm not Jesus. This is just, please, nothing. Okay, now I have got a gift for Finley. I've got a gift. I've said, here's freedom, Finley. Are you ready to receive freedom? Okay. Finley, you didn't catch the, catch the ball. 
How about you put those things down and give them to me? Now we've got a bin on stage, which I did not think through. Um, okay, so now you, you would be able to receive the gift, correct? Thank you very much, Finley. Everyone give Finley a, a round of applause. So that demonstration shows us that Finley has a capacity. Finley has an amount of things that he can carry at one time without, uh, whilst, whilst being stood up, okay? While, while he's standing, he can only carry a certain amount of things. And what happens when we carry things that, that, that we aren't supposed to carry is that we, 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 we have this certain capacity. And we all have that capacity. We all have wingspan. We all have our arms we can only carry a certain amount of things. And let's not get bogged down with the things that are around us in our external circumstances that we can't carry the things that God gives to us. God has promised us freedom. God has promised us fullness of life. And when we're carrying the external worries of our life, we cannot take that on. Um, and context, so a bit of context for you here. In Matthew 11, it's, to, it's Jesus talking to a whole load of cities and a whole load of, of villages that he's been into and performed miracles. And those people have seen Jesus. They all follow Jesus. They all love Jesus. And they're all after him. Yet he says, you're, you're, you're focused too much on what's around you. You're focused too much on, on, on what's happening in your village. That you, you've, you've taken your eyes off me and your, your focus is here. Yeah, but, when, but when the promise is that when you look at me, the whole, that all those worries drop off. All those worries become meaningless because I've got hold of them. It's almost like the story a couple of chapters before. Maybe Jesus is trying to get at something during Matthew. But he said in Matthew 8 about the story of, of of, of, the, of the disciples on the boat and Jesus is on that boat with them and he says, and they're all going, we're going to die. There's a storm, we're going to die. We're, gonna, we're dead, we're dead. And they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, we're dead, we're going to die. And Jesus goes, I'm literally Jesus. <laughs> do, you not, do you think that this is how the story ends, that the whole Bible is just going to stop right now? No, that's not how it happens. And, and when we have those distractions in our lives, those storms that come about, those weights in our life, we can get so distracted and take our eyes off the Savior that we forget who we're serving and who we're after and who's with us. Someone needs that this morning, evening. So, so we need to refocus our lives, some of us, this, this evening. Some of us need to refocus our, our, our attention, take our eyes off the circumstances in our hands, say, I can't carry this anymore. Good, you're not supposed to. If you can't carry that weight, good. You're human. We're all human. We're not supposed to carry these things. So I'm talking a lot about what to do and not about how to do it, okay? So I'm going to lead us in a, in a, in a little prayer to finish. Um, I would be, it'd be great if you guys could join me in that, maybe enter in it with me, especially if you're feeling that anything that I've said has is, 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 is spoke to you this morning. But Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning as, as a people who, who can't carry the weight, who are, who are suffering under the bogged downness of life, Lord Jesus. And we ask right now for your for your perspective and for your wisdom, Lord Jesus, to speak into the parts of our life where we can't, we can't handle, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you identify the places in our life where we're taking too much weight on ourselves, Lord. We ask that you allow us to, to receive your freedom, to, to receive your fullness of life, Lord Jesus. Bring it to us, Lord. We package everything. Go into your spirit, man, right now. Package everything into a box, your health life, your relational life, your, your financial life. Put it all into this box. Take this box, put it at the feet of Jesus. Step away and say, Jesus, I take my hands off this. You put your hands on it, Lord. Take your hands away from it. Pray less me, more you, Lord. I take my hands off, take my hands off. And sometimes it is an ongoing journey where we have to keep praying, help me take my hands off, Lord, because as humans, we really, really want to have our hands on it. If we can see something, our hands are on it, okay? But my call to you this morning is take your hands off the external circumstances.
Incredible, incredible. Show Josh some love, come on. (laughs) Such an opportunity this evening, and there was one this morning too. Thank you for that, Josh. And it'll be tomorrow morning as well. Morning, evening, it doesn't matter. Either one's fine. Um, But there's such an opportunity to transfer weight, transfer burdens tonight. And what, a, what a, if not now, when? Let's, let's, let's make that happen tonight. Let's leave lighter than we came, okay? Let's leave different with clarity of mind, lightness to our heart and our spirit. And this is what I believe. I believe that that transfer is going to happen, Josh, because I, I, I genuinely believe that God gave you that word for Ramp Church this week. And I believe there's going to be some people that walk into work tomorrow and you're going to look different to people. I can't wait to hear testimonies. For those of you even online, there's going to be testimonies come in this week because people go, you just look different. This is something, what happened to you? What'd you do over the weekend? Something's different about you. And it's because there was a transfer of weight. Thank you, Jesus, for that opportunity. Uh, One more tonight. Would you help me welcome Cameron Adair? Come on up. So Cameron helps lead Ramp Youth as well, and she's over here for a year. She's right in the middle of a year internship uh, where she spent months raising money to to come here and serve uh, in Ramp Church Manchester to be a part of of what God's doing here. So she came from America, and um, and uh, yeah, and and she just felt a call here, so full time giving herself to the work of God in Manchester. So again, give your full attention to hear what God has to say. Amen. Man, it's so intimidating to have so many like impressive things before you and then you get up and you're like, hey, that's good. Um, But I was really touched by your song and it was just so powerful and it reminded me of my own story and I loved your story of encountering Jesus because that's what I felt to, to share with you guys is just my story. What is the testimony of Jesus in my life? And we know in Revelation, I think it's four, 10 or 14, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I, and I really believe that what God has done in someone else's life, when they proclaim that freedom, that it gives access for other people. And so, uh, yeah, this is going to be who I am, who I am. It's very intimidating to like come up and like expose all your dirty laundry. Like, I was actually a horrible person before. <laughs> oh, but uh, I grew up um, uh, going to church with my family, and I really genuinely loved God as a kid. I loved church. I was always so excited to go. Um, but there was this one little tidbit that was kind of always missing in the very important part of being a follower of Jesus, is that I didn't fully understand the concept that like God loved me. It's like, you're a Christian. You go to church, and you do good things, and you pray, and you read your Bible. It's like, check, 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 check. Got it all down, got it down. But then at the end of the day, I was like, I don't think I'm doing that good of a job. Oh, I got to work harder, got to work harder. And it was just this mentality of Christianity as a vocation and not as a relationship. Following Jesus as a job and not as a joy. And um, I, I battled with anxiety from, from childhood, which is a whole other story. And then, and then in my teen years, um, I battled with depression. I had deep insecurity. It was just um, in a really dark place. And I just kind of got to the point where I was like, I don't really want to do this whole God thing anymore. Like, I'm sick of it. Like, it's a bunch of rules. I feel horrible. And I'm not even that good at following the rules. <laughs> I was like, 
why do it? It's like, if you're, if something is bad, you quit, right? You just, just be a quitter. Just quit, Cameron. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and that didn't, it didn't turn out that hot. You know, sin, sin is, uh, sin is fun until it's not. You know, the enemy, he makes sin so enticing. He's like, look, you can do whatever you want. And you can have whatever friends you want. You can be in whatever relationship you want to do. And you can act however you want to live. And it's really fun and shiny. It's freedom. No more rules. Well, I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I started doing drugs and I started hanging out with the wrong crew. And I just was like, yeah, I'm going to be big and bad. I'm just going to forget this God thing. Like, I'm going to be cool. I'm not cool. And I was like, I'm just going to live my life however I want to. And then when it started to get not fun anymore, my depression got worse and the anxiety got worse. And all of a sudden I'm like, this is actually empty. This is horrible. I don't have any good friends and I have no value and I don't have any meaning in life. What is happening? I thought this was going to make it better. It made it worse. And then by then I was so far into it. I don't know my way out. How do I get out of here? I was like, I don't know my way back to God. Where'd he go? And I'm trapped in this darkness trapped in darkness. I'm so depressed. Every night I'm like, I want to die. I just want to die. I don't want to be here anymore. Drugs don't do it anymore. They took the edge off at first, but after every time you take it, you come down off the high. <laughs> it's empty. It's worthless. I remember one time my world came crashing down. I, I hit this breaking point with depression and, and anxiety. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. And I I ran out of my house. I'm crying. I got these candy cane pajama pants on. It's a weird time to meet God. I ran out of my house and I'm running through my neighborhood. I just sit down on the side of the road. My candy cane pants. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm like, I don't even, I don't know if you're real, but you have to be. You have to be. God, please be real, please, because all this stuff, I'm empty and I'm broken. Please, please be real, God. Please be real. Please love me. Please tell me that all this stuff that I grew up hearing about you but didn't actually experience, please tell me it's real. And I was sitting on the side of the road. Carl's probably driving by, seeing this girl crying, yelling, candy can pants. They're like, what's wrong with her? And I'm just weeping, God, please. And I heard this voice. He said, go to RSM, which was is the school, ministry school at the ramp. And I was like, that's not what I asked for. I said, please be real. And you told me to go, what? But I knew, I knew in my heart, I was like, that's, I have to do it. I have to do it. And so I go and I'm, Amen. Like all these kids are like, woo, ministry school. I love Jesus. I live a really good Christian life. And I get there and I'm like, I do drugs. Oh my God. I'm surrounded by all these Christians and they're like going for it. And I'm like, Phew. I like feel so intimidated. But all I remember is, I remember I was like, God, you told me to be here. This is your last chance. I gave him an ultimate. I was like, you either show up and you save me or I'm done. Right? So I answered the altar call. And all of a sudden, this presence of God. And I, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but I, it's like I heard him say my name. I'm going to say, I love you. <laughs> the one thing that I was dying to hear from God, I love you. I'm weeping. I'm weeping in the floor. I'm like, God, you're real. God, you're real. God, you're real. And it, in a moment, I got up and I was like, oh, I don't feel so heavy anymore. That depression thing broke. Anxiety broke. 
I didn't have desire for drugs because I experienced love. I experienced purpose. And it reminds me of when the disciples say to blind Bartimaeus, when he's calling out for Jesus, they say, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Let me tell you, I don't care where you are on the spectrum, radically in sin, radically following Jesus or somewhere in the middle undecided. Take heart, get up. He's calling you. There's freedom on the other side of your surrender. There's purpose on the other side of your surrender. It doesn't take a special person. He's not looking for special. He's looking for willing. It's what he said. I'm not special. I hate to break it to you. I'm not. But I experienced him. I tasted and saw that he was good. And that's all it took. I didn't want anything else after that. And so I just want to pray over you all. Lord, I thank you, God, that you made yourself real to me. You made yourself known to me in my stupid candy cane pajama pants. It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what we sound like. It doesn't matter where we are. You're available for the broken and you fill them and equip them with purpose. What I pray over every person, wherever they are, wherever they are, God, I pray that they would hear you say their name, Lord, and that you would bring freedom to every person in this room, God. Make yourself real and make yourself known, Lord.